Okay, well, we're continuing on our series in the, uh, it's entitled On Earth As It Is in Heaven. And what we want to see in this series is God's kingdom as it is in heaven, rule and reign here on earth. And so uh, I am excited to unpack this week by week, every time that we do this. And um, it just amazes me how much closer Personally, I see the love that God has for me, especially this week when we see that we are formed and made in the image of God. Before I get going, I'm I'm reminded often of God's grace. And one of the the best reminders of God's grace is in my marriage. And so uh, I've been married today. Carrie and I have been married for 12 years. So Carrie, come up here. I'm going to ask you to come up here. So... um, So for 12 years we've been married and uh, she has been... God sent my helpmate, um, and God uses her just as I need her in my life. She ministers to me. Uh, she's an incredible mother to our children, and so um, and and she's very behind the scenes. You don't you don't see her uh, all the time because even her being up on stage, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Are you shaking? I can feel. It. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but I have a little gift for you, babe. Um, so I hit it here. So. Yes, so there, um, just so happens that we've been married for 12 years and she's got a rose for every year of our marriage and then she really likes these dark chocolate sea salt caramels, so, um, Ghirardelli's, uh, so you, you can eat these during the sermon if you'd like, just don't make too much noise and if I see everybody looking your way, then we'll, uh, we'll find, so, um, I did ask Josiah as a dear brother, and I asked Josiah to, to pray for our marriage. Um, it would really be an honor for you to do that, Josiah, so thank you. All right, let's join together and let's, um, let's thank God for these two and just pray for years to come. God, where we stand here, and um, we have full hearts of gratitude for all your faithfulness to us. Uh, you've been faithful these, to these two in many ways, and in, in, uh most recently, to, to my knowledge, in the last few years, uh, I've seen it firsthand, and uh, I know what you're doing, and I know how you continue to be faithful, and it, uh, it produces hope in me uh, for all of our marriages, including my own. Thank you for the way that they set an example for us as a church to live um, as a man and a woman together, uh, joined in unity by only you. Um, God, I pray that you would give them a protection from all the ways that they would be tempted to uh, create discord, uh, to allow discord, for allow there to be any kind of separation between them. But Spirit of God, would you come and only bring unity over and over again where the enemy would try to break them apart? Would you bring them closer together? And we know this is only possible when there is a full awareness of your grace, when there is a deep setting awareness of how and what you have done for us. So as they, in their faithfulness to you, press in to, um, to learn about uh, the, and explore the deep wells of this grace, um, and they explore the deep wells of how your grace um, is applicable to their lives, God, would you anoint them and bless them with years to come uh, of, of a fruitful marriage. And uh, may we all get to see it, rejoice in it, Uh, thank you for it, years down the road. Um, All this is for you. None of this is our own. And so, um, all the glory to you, God. 
And uh, we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Josiah. Love you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, babe. <laughs> I'll be in trouble for that one later, I think, maybe. So, um, you know, the older I get, the, the more I realize I need God. And uh, the longer I'm married, the more I realize I need God. Um, whether you're married or not, you should realize that. Uh, the longer that you live in this life, uh, it should be a greater reminder of your absolute inability. Because God formed you. He made you. And He didn't make you to be independent of Him. And there's this drive in us, isn't there? That we would be independent of God. That was what Adam and Eve wanted in the garden, wasn't it? That they would be like God so that they didn't need God. That's the great idolatry. That we would think that somehow something is greater than Him that would replace Him. But, listen, nothing replaces Him. There is no God substitute. God made us in such a way for us to know that. He formed us in such a way that we might know that we are His because we're made in His image and in His likeness. When a king would conquer a territory, the king would set up his likeness all around with statues, with emblems, with symbols. The king would let the area that he ruled know that this was his land, this was his territory. Do not cross him. God, upon every human being, has made us with this inescapable reality that we are his because he made us in his image. And he didn't do that so, so that we would be under his thumb. He didn't do that so that we would be under his iron fist. He did that so that we would forever be in his heart. Sin isn't breaking the law of God. Sin's breaking the heart of God. And that's what has separated us from the great love of God is that we've broken the heart of God. And what would God do to restore a broken and sinful and rebellious humanity who thought they could live without Him? Well, He sent the exact representation of His image in His Son, Jesus Christ. So today we're talking about the Imago Dei. The image of God in all humanity. From the baby in the mother's womb to the elderly. From the womb to the tomb, as one author states it. Every life is of incredible value. There is nothing in this world that has the value of a human life. No amount of gold... No amount of economic resources. Nothing surpasses the life of a single solitary human being. Nothing in this world does. The testimony of the church stands for, to this day because the church has upheld the value of life. 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 No country espouses equality 
as much as the Bible. No world that, there, that exists here or in previous lifetimes or even in the future will, will be able to give you the promises that God gives you. Why? Because God made you with this intrinsic value. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to make something of yourself. God has already made something of you because He made you in His image. And, and it's this image that I want to bring us back to and remind us of as we seek heaven to come here on earth. William Wilberforce, have you ever heard of him? He was uh, a British uh, member of the parliament. If you've seen the movie Amazing Grace, I highly recommend it. Something that stirs my affection for God is when I read biographies of men and women that God has used powerfully to change the world. So Wilberforce is known as the Washington of Humanity. As George Washington is known as the father of America, William Wilberforce is known as the Washington of humanity because he fought for the abolition of the slave trade in Great Britain. And like a wildfire, when it caught there with a little spark, it spread like crazy. In fact, America today is incredibly indebted to William Wilberforce because of his work for the abolition of the slave trade. He said this, he said, A private faith that does not act in the face of oppression is no faith at all. <laughs> we all espouse faith. We're here because we, we say that faith is alive in our hearts, and it is. But that faith is tested when oppression happens, and that faith either comes to life or it shows itself as an imposter. But my prayer for us today is that that faith would come alive. And we look around the world around us and, and, and we see in the United States the, the greatest nation that has ever been. But may that never be a statement that causes to say we could stop or push pause or think that not, there's not oppression here today. Because I tell you, friends, even in this city, less than a quarter mile away from here, there's human trafficking that goes on. There's sex trafficking that goes on. There's things that are taking place. And, and this would be a great travesty for us as a church, is that those things would take place before our very eyes, and we wouldn't know it, and we wouldn't do anything about it, that our faith would be no faith at all. And so, when I think of planting a church, I think of planting the deep roots of faith that roots out the darkness of the world around us. I think of a faith that inspires hope in the oppressed because they are made in the image of God. Do you hear that? Everybody has hope for that reason. They're made in the image of God. Everybody has reason to live and breathe and move every single day. Everybody has reason to function in society, not because society adds them value, but because the image that they're created in adds them value. And the work of God since the sin of Adam and Eve and the curse has been to restore this broken world, to make all the sad things come untrue. And how does He do it? 
He does it through you and me in the church. He does it through us. Easy to be inspired. It's hard when that inspiration hits the concrete. When our feet are put to the ground and the action takes place. And in all honesty, we can all be consumed with what they call now compassion fatigue. Because there's so much need, we wonder where can we start. I want to start at the image. God's creation. God created them male and female. In His image, He created them. Every human being is made by God and for His glory. Every human being. Your enemies are made by God and for His glory. The people who are even the oppressors are made by God and for His glory. In fact, the only, the, 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 the true power of the Christian faith is that it stands on both the side of the oppressed and the oppressors. Nothing in the world is like it that the brokenness and devastation and hurt that could be brought about by sin can be redeemed. No one is irredeemable. And no one is too hurt that God cannot heal. No one is too broken that God cannot mend them. I was reading a book about the, the henchmen of Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany. And there was a chaplain, his name was Henry Gericke. And Henry Gericke went into what much of America said he had no business doing was being the chaplain of these 21 henchmen. And he himself saw the devastation of what they did. But he felt so compelled by the Imago Dei that he stepped into their barracks and he ministered the grace of God to those hardened hearts. And at the end of his time, in his journal, he wrote, three souls came to the Lord. Three souls who would lock up people in gas chambers. Think about it. Think about the scandalous nature of the cross. It should cause offense for us here. But it should also say, if God can bring redemption to the outermost, He can bring redemption to me. Because God's forgiveness is free and complete and final. And there is nothing in the world that is like it. Author Mark Ross says, The whole of human ethics is grounded in the Imago Dei. Husbands must love their wives as Christ loved the church. Fathers must discipline and instruct their children as the Lord does His children. The comforting love of a mother is the image and likeness of the comforting love of God. Earthly masters should reflect the justice and fairness found in the heavenly master. Though sin has greatly defaced God's image, by God's grace in Christ, that image is renewed. Living by that grace, people see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. What can I do? Live according to that grace and watch how the world around you changes 
and watch how Jesus Christ is glorified in the midst of your compassion for those who are needing of compassion. That we, church, would be that kind of people, that we would be that kind of church. We have God's concern. God's concern is demonstrated to us in Romans 1, 18 through 23. God's wrath on unrighteousness is the title of the section. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. (laughs) They push the truth aside. They push the truth down. They suppress it. They don't even want it to exist. For what can be known about God is plain to them. They can't suppress it because it's plain. Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely, His eternal power and divine nature have clearly been perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The reason why we have to fight for the immeasurable dignity and worth of every human being in the world today is because the world does not know the immeasurable dignity and worth of our Creator. The reason why murder exists, theft exists, covetousness exists, adultery exists, you name it, it's there. From the white lie to the most unthinkable sin you can imagine, it's there because God is not seen as hallowed. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That he's not seen as glorious and priceless and valuable. Because of that, sin exists. Because of that, God is dishonored. And because of that, the image of God in all of humanity is disregarded. And we are dehumanized. We're less than human. That's what sin does to us. That's what sin does to others. It treats a woman who God made with incredible value as an image on a screen to suit our perversions. Listen, it's not only outside of us, it's inside of us. I I think it's important that we don't just criticize the world. I think it's important that we allow God to minister to our hearts because He wants to take the brokenness of our soul and mend it. Because listen, unless we're first willing to submit to Him and allow Him to do His work on us, how could we do a work for Him and anyone else? That God would do that work in us, that we would say, like Paul, that I am a sinner I am the chief of sinners. This is a trustworthy saying. Deserving full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. 
but in his immeasurable glory, he has brought about his justice to me by bringing it about upon his son. Psalm 146, he executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, sets the prisoners free, opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up the bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. God is asking that we would walk in humility. What does the Lord require of you, O church, O man? but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Today I want to spend the rest of our time focusing on the needs that exist within our back doors. I don't want to just be a church that opens the doors and preaches the gospel and we close down after Sunday and we're not seen again or known again in the community around us. I want to be a church that is actively involved in these things, because I think that there's an awareness in us that allows us to know that I can make a difference. There's something I can do today. And so, you all have probably heard of the Indit movement, you know, the, the red X mark on the hands of people uh, represents that there is human trafficking and there's a slave trade that still exists today. And it exists in three main areas. Number one, sex trafficking. Number two, labor trafficking. And number three, there's even organ trafficking. And those things are things that I want to draw our attention to because I probably, like you, have wondered, what can we do? Is this happening around me? And so some friends of mine, Scott and Linda, uh, have been a part of this church for about six months now. Uh, but they've been about a part of Crosspoint for a long time. Uh, they served alongside with me at Crosspoint in Lake Nona. And they have had an incredible passion to see redemption into these broken places. And they themselves have sought to lead in an area where many don't understand what to do. And then to show them, here's how you can simply be a part of this today. So Scott and Linda, would you come up for a moment? And, and uh, would love for you guys to, to help share some of this. Got a new pulpit, by the way. It's a lot heavier. Thanks, Eduardo. My brother built that, and uh, so Dad brought it up this weekend, and uh, I appreciate him. It's a good gift. So, Scott and Linda, um, I've known you guys, what's it been, maybe four years now, uh, about, since, um, and uh, come to Orlando, and um, I remember Scott, and this was in Cross Point Lake Nona, uh, came through the doors and, um, and and just really wanted to understand and learn more about the church. And, um, and partly because knowing you guys now, it was you guys were interviewing us because you wanted to see, is this a place where I can give my life? Um, where, where God can use me in a powerful way that I would make an impact for Jesus. Um, and... Uh, and I've seen that in you, and, and it brings me great joy to have you here at Cross Point Downtown because I know it's that same heart that you bring uh, to us in, in this body today. And so, uh, just, just first of all, let, let us get to know you a little bit. Why are you passionate about this? Um, would love to hear some of that. Well, about 10 years ago, 
we lived in Houston, Texas, and Houston is uh, the second uh, most trafficked city in the state of Texas, and then Texas is the second most trafficked state in the union. Oh, so, so real quick, when you say traffic, you say there's an active trade of yes. humanity happening in Houston, Texas. Yes, um, all the areas. Yeah. Um, most, most prominently is the sex trafficking. Uh-huh. So when we moved here almost four years ago, um, we you know, knew that uh, Orlando was also a very um, active city for trafficking. And we were a little bit surprised because we moved to the Lake Nona area. We saw that there was maybe a little bit of knowledge, but hardly any activity in the fight against it. Uh -huh. um, and just a little bit about us of how we even got kind of involved in this and, and increased our knowledge. Uh, about 10 years ago, our knowledge of this plight started increasing um, through passion conferences, you know, Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin and Christine Kane, um, and we had attended some other conferences. So our knowledge began to increase of what the problem was and how, how vast it was and how broken it is, and it is so, um, it's so complex as well, and I think that's one of the ways the en enemy wants to paralyze the church and even feel like, oh, what can I do? Because this is so huge and it's so confusing and it's so veiled. So um, our knowledge has just increased over that time. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then um, I gave you a second question that I don't have in front of me, so <laughs> forgive me on that. Um, there, you know, w within some of what you guys had, had just described, like, uh, where is it happening around us even now? Um, I think, you know, today might be an awareness for, for some folks that come in here to say, like, I had no idea that this was a problem right here. I had no idea that this was even an issue in my backyard. So, so share with me a little bit about some, some of that. So um, as we began to really pray about uh, the involve, how we should be involved, and uh, especially here in uh, Orlando, we had um, attended a um, conference in Houston. We went back to Houston. We still had children living there. And one of the things, the, one of the ministries that we got in contact with was called Elijah Rising. And the, the founder uh, started the ministry by just going to, uh, identifying brothels um, and just going there on a regular basis and praying, just sitting in her car just praying before God to close them down, to show her what steps to take. And over the years, God has done amazing things. And so that really inspired us to come back here and just start um, going around, taking different areas and praying over them and finding uh, different businesses that had the, uh, the earmarks of a possible brothel. So you have so you have businesses that will drive by every day. In fact, when we went on a car ride and, and you showed me some of these places, and, and I like I mean they're so close to even where I live. 
um, and they're under the guise of a legitimate business, uh, massage uh, business or something like that. Um, but there, people have been, and as I read and research more of it, been taken from their home, given promises that they're going to have a better life here in the United States. There's, there's potential for this job and this kind of money. That's all a bait and switch. And then before you know it, someone is into human trafficking in the sex trafficking industry. Um, and then within that, there's a whole lot of guilt and shame that keeps them in the industry. Even drug abuse, drug use, things that are, are given to manipulate so that they are continually um, uh, in, in change, so to speak, to the people who are oppressing them. And that's happening near us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a good way for, if you want to learn more about this and a quick way to learn is Polaris Project. Uh, look them up, and they've just recently released a report. And there's a bunch of buttons on that website that will walk you through what the situation is and what you can do about it. And um, in the area of sex trafficking through massage parlors, there is a network going on, and, and most of the victims are of Korean and Chinese descent. And these women are predominantly in their 30s through their 50s, have children, families, and, and they are roped into this situation and they're, they're held captive. And there's earmarks that'll show you, you know, what, there's characteristics that'll show you what you can look for. And so we've taken the Elijah Rising model in part and for all of 2016, we were praying, going out and parking in these parking lots around here, and just not too far from here, and praying over these ministries, over these businesses. Um, and then in connecting with Elijah Rising again, they told us, you really need a prayer base. So the last year, uh, we've been trying to build up our prayer base. And so that's really something that we need because this is such a, um, a a dark and confusing evil that we really need this is a spiritual battle and um, one thing that was frustrating to me in learning more about this was there's a lot of Christians and different agencies that are involved but they just seemed to me to be very siloed and very isolated and there was not a concerted effort. And through one of the ministries that we are connected with, Faith Alliance, there was a speaker who came uh, about a year ago, uh, early last year, and talked about this tool, this curriculum that they have called the Freedom Strategy. And uh, we've got a table set up in the lobby that you can learn more about that. And that freedom strategy shows how people can come together and really network and learn together through these areas of prevention, identification, rescue, restoration, and reform. To All those areas need to be working together to bring health and to bring uh, an end to human trafficking in any given area. Yeah. 
This is, uh, so when you talk about Elijah rising, there's a model of ministry that they're looking at and in, in, in seeking, how can we replicate this in Orlando? Because Elijah rising, one of the powerful things about this ministry is the, the understanding that this ministry can happen and flourish in the local church. Um, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to try to create a, a, a whole new system or structure for this to exist. Um, although we, we come alongside the church so the church can be about this ministry, and, and not just the church. I mean, there are people from the community that can, and we want to be a part of it. But through the church, we know that our efforts are going to lead to gospel transformation, transformation that, that would show these people, once they even leave that industry, um, we are there to help them over the long haul, and we are also there to, to breathe of them the value that has been stolen in the image of God, and, to, and, and so that they would be rescued into, again, this renewing image of Christ. And so, yeah. I think one of the things that really impacted me, one, you know, I had probably 10, 12 years of been aware of the issue, but I still had children at home. I was a host homeschool mom, um, just really... My life situation didn't afford the time uh, to really do something about this. And so I would hear different things, we would attend different things, and then I'd be filled with guilt uh, because, you know, this is just insidious, it's just horrible, and what am I doing about it? Um, The Lord really um, gave me grace, um, gave me... Uh, patience with myself and then also we can all pray at any moment we can it is one of the greatest most powerful uh, realities that we as the church have the the open door to the throne of grace on behalf of others Um, one of the other things that really hit home was to know that we attended or we uh, went to, they have, the Elijah Rising has a museum, the history of slavery, and they go all the way back to the beginning of time. They have uh, rooms and um, places set up where you can actually f- uh, witness and feel what it's like for somebody um, trapped in this. And then they had a mannequin that was the size of a 12-year-old girl that you can walk up to and stand next to. And we have grandchildren that age. Uh, Oftentimes, here we hear that it's um, Chinese, predominantly uh, Korean, and um, we think about, well, they become just kind of faceless or they're foreigners. But you hear, for yourself, you hear our own children being kidnapped, or you see the advice of how not to be kidnapped yourself, Uh, different strategies that are happening that um, people are being snatched right out of the parking lot or out of the driveway of their home. So this hits home. Um, It's shameful that for me it had to hit home emotionally like that. However, whatever it takes, for us to realize that every individual is made in the image of God, has feelings, and when they're growing up and 
when they're born and growing up, have hopes and dreams, and they are being shattered, killed, destroyed, and they are just in pain and suffering every minute of every day. Yeah. Well, um, thank you guys. Uh, we, uh, when, when I think about what we can do, I put a, Cassie, I don't know, there's a slide there that says end it on, and there's three things. Um, number one, what can you do? Uh, the, the biggest thing that they'll say, here's what you can do, is stop the demand. Um, and, and stop the demand means that if, uh, and, and this is reality here, if men stopped buying sex, there would be no sex trafficking industry. Um, here's what that means for us. Pornography creates demand. Stop looking at pornography. It's a humanity image of God issue. Not only for your own soul, but for the care and the flourishing of others. And there's issues that have to get to the heart at, and, 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 and within that I just say, if you struggle with that, here's a safe place where you can be a part of and that we can walk through that with the grace of Jesus Christ. But, but um, uh, and I'll say it to, to men in particular right now, if this is a problem, there's a, there's, you can come to me, you can come to Pastor Josiah, you can go to your community group leaders, you could have an empathetic ear because there is, there is few without this struggle today. And we want to be a part of helping that part. Number two is prayer, as Linda mentioned. Prayer. Um, our hearts are overwhelmed with love for people more so as we pray for them. If there's going to be an action that's taken, it's going to be first the action that happens on our knees in prayer. So may we be a people that pray for this in our city, to pray for the politicians, to pray for those who are making the laws, but also may we realize that prayer changes hearts and the, the power in, in, in society isn't in the changing of law, but the changing of hearts. And I think we got a leg up on that, church. And so let's seek God in the changing of hearts of people. And number three, action. Um, join Scott and Linda on a, on a drive, on, a, on, on going to one of these parking lots and praying and asking God for an open door that we might begin to let a captive go free by the grace and blood of Jesus. So with that, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I'd just like to share the scripture that's really the backbone to all this. It's Isaiah 58. Um, I mean, so much in that chapter, but starting at verse 6, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide your face in your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise, and the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continuously and satisfy your desire in, a scor in scorched places and make your bones strong. It goes on and on. But 
Church, we are the answer. We are the hope of the world, not because of anything that we have in ourselves, but of our, just of ourselves outside of the Lord. It's the Lord. And Jesus, our, our husband, um, says of his bride, the church, some amazing things, that we are the light of the world, that we are the hope of the nations, that we have the answer. So we need to, if we're participating in darkness, like, like Ryan said, we need to get out of it, come to the light, and then uh, believe what he has said, that he's put his power, his kingdom power in us. Thank you, Scott and Linda. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Let's give them a hand. A hand. Stand, stand with me. Fix our eyes on Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus Christ was the ultimate victim. Jesus Christ was the ultimate injustice. And that God allowed the justice that we rightly deserved to be put upon him and him to be punished in our place. God didn't send an animal to be our sacrifice. He sent his son. This tells us, friends, that God who sent his son so sends you with the power of the Son, through the power of the Spirit, that you might set the captives free, that you might be a part of His healing of this broken world. So we fix our eyes on the One who heals, and we remind ourselves of grace given so that we can be givers of that same grace, both to the captive or the oppressed and the oppressors, that we might step in that without fear and know that God is going to bring about his restoration, his hope, and his healing. Father, we thank you. We fix our eyes on you. We follow you, Lord. We ask for you to help us. God, may worship fill this room. God, as we had a heavy word here today, God, I pray that we would come under the light yoke of your Son and that we would allow, God, our sins to be a confessed, God, our our aspirations, even our inabilities, God, to, to be known before you so that you could fill us with all your strength. And we sing to the one who truly sets free. We worship the one who truly set, breaks those chains so that we, God, can be your church, your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, church says, amen.